And now, on Nova Radio Extra as well as podcast, it's time for Plug In and Play with Wayne Madden. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, Plug In and Play and uh, episode six. I can't believe it uh, here on Nova Radio Extra, Nova Radio Northeast and indeed podcasts digitally where good podcasts are available worldwide. Um, as always, I'm Wayne Madden and uh, today we are talking gaming. Well, that's what we do every episode, isn't it? At this stage, if you guys haven't heard the previous episodes, you're missing out. But the script for those who are new to the show, if this is like your first uh, new episode, this is basically a show all about video gaming. Um, the last episode, I spoke to my boss of all people. Um, amazing that, you know, what the world has meant that I can get my boss to come on the show. John was kind enough to talk to us about Naughty Dog and The Last of Us 2 and the Uncharted series. And I should point out, by the way, neither John nor I work for Naughty Dog. We're not claiming that at all. Um, it's just coincidence that he's a massive gamer. And the episode itself was discussing Naughty Dog and The Last of Us. So I like to get people who are knowledgeable about games on the show, people who have a real passion for gaming. And that's what leads me to the guest show um i first met him through an entirely different medium actually an entirely different uh passion um but we may or may not go into that but before we do let me introduce onto the floor the lovely individual uh, mr philip christopher hello sir hello there uh, uh my name is phil also known as implied lies and i do not work for naughty dog uh, <laughs> um, yes, no, I, I run a channel uh, basically on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place called Implied Lies, where I do various content and most of the time it's me being an idiot, to be perfectly honest, or me green screen falling down. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I do all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, Wayne knows me through try uh, me trying to set up a podcast Indeed. and uh it done all right yeah <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's it, it ended I'll, I'll leave it at that Fair and enough. uh <laughs> and uh I, I do my own thing now pretty much and this is just me doing my own thing but yeah no i've been a, a massive video game fan for a lot of years but in terms of console uh to bring it back Yes. is uh xbox series s is what i was gonna originally get yes but I've, I've seen in the past like week people have been having a lot of problems trying to get that their hands on these things even if they've already had pre-orders yeah, like, yeah. it's it, it it does seem to have been a, a real problem on twitter um i know a few of the twitch streamer friends of mine um uh shout out to once upon a jedi Who's, yes. uh, who's been helping me out on this one but uh he's been uh, there's been a bunch of people that he's the the one that i know personally um he's been having so much trouble he's he's paid already for the for his xbox he was meant to be receiving it uh because he'd, he'd already pre-ordered it you were meant to get it like a day early yes that's something right. like that um so he he's paid for that 
and nothing's turned up. There's no tracking details. He hasn't got anything, and he's been told, oh, don't expect anything anytime soon. Now, I mean, I, I don't want to introduce massive amounts of controversy into this show, but at the same time, it is very important to talk about what people are sort of colloquially referring to online as the great Amazon shafting of 2020 um, mm. or the great Walmart shaft, you know, in America. Mm. Um, obviously, the fact that lockdown has occurred doesn't help. So obviously, if you pre-ordered and decided to be sensible and pay for your Xbox or your PS4 on launch day, but you can now actually no longer go to the store, collect that Xbox or PS4 or PS5, um, you're, you're in serious trouble, obviously. At the same time, though, that then increased demand. But once people saw the shops were closing, those who could cancel their pre-orders with the stores did so and obviously went online, which created even further demand. And Yep. Amazon just grew in size until it was all powerful and nobody could stop it. Mm -hmm. um, I often think of like Terminator and Skynet, and I think one day Amazon <laughs> will be self-aware. We'll they will control us all. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It it won't be the uh, the it won't be the Terminators against the human race. It'll be Amazon against the human mm -hmm. race. And uh, and we didn't realize, you know, we tried to pull the plug, but Amazon stopped us. It was self-aware. I mean, what's that old quote, isn't it? It's uh, when when the, when they come, they won't come with guns. They'll come with flowers. They'll come with hugs. Yes. And, and that's it. That's how it takes over. So, I mean, it, there is that kind of that old saying of that's how that's how these things happen. Is they ha they happen slowly and gradually. It's not a it's not a thing that takes a, a short amount of time. It's no. it's been do it's been like this for a long time though. Let's be it fair. Has. It has. But I mean, I'm 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 glad to hear about implied lies, and I'm glad to hear that you know you've been able to turn your passion for gaming into something. I think um, there's a couple of questions coming up. I normally ask you know the guest the same questions every show. We mm -hmm. ask you know the person who's who's next to me the same questions, kind of give the audience an idea to get to know them a little better, and for me to be able to sort of get to know you a little better and what your interests are gaming wise. Yeah, um, but it's it's fair to say though that probably the one business, the one pastime that has benefited. If you, I, I hate even using that word, right? But you know, at the time of recording the show, we're into what is a session, a second national lockdown in England, and at the time of recording, we're sort of sitting there thinking, well, it should be over by the end of November, and it might not be and there may be a third one at some point in the future who knows and maybe you're listening to this during the third or fourth or fifth lockdown hopefully not but maybe <laughs> you are and and the big sort of thing is though that the one business that has benefited so much probably from the lockdown and the isolation is gaming and i mean especially sort of Twitch streaming and streaming online in general. And mm -hmm. I imagine that also creates competition as well for people who think, oh, I'll do that. But obviously, mm -hmm. you guys are already established and you've already been doing it a long time before somebody comes along and tries to steal your job. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I get I get what you're trying to say. Um I kind of don't see it like that though. Sure. I've I've had I've had to I've had to change my my opinion on this a few different times, but okay. like we've we've 
Implied Lies has been going a year now. Uh, actually, it was a year yesterday. So oh, happy uh, anniversary! Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, but I, I, I don't see this as a competition, really, because I, I, I genuinely don't think a lot of people do the type of things that are put out on online, like the type of things that are, that that share. Um, I think a lot of people come into this with a different mindset. I don't think coming into this with coming into this with a mindset of people are going to be beating us and people are going to be doing this and people are doing that. I don't think you're going to get very far. Um, but just personally, it's having that sort of mindset going in doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but coming in here and just, you know, if you just want to have fun and play video games with people, that's that's perfect. That keep it at that. Yes. Keep it at that. Don't don't. Don't come into this thinking uh, this is going to be my full time job in the next three months. You know, like this, like I, I am telling people this with a, a varying degree of experience here, but and I, I wouldn't say that I've been. I wouldn't say I'm a full time streamer. Hell, I wouldn't even say I'm a part time streamer right now. But obviously, I'm doing more with lockdown coming in. But yes, um, it's kind of a thing of take your time and enjoy the process. Because it's, you know, and just enjoy making friends with other streamers and stuff along the way and have fun because your audience is going to tell if you're forcing it, you know? So oh. it's, it's, it's a very, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, uh, job, I suppose you could call it, because I, I, I don't see it as a job for me personally, but I know that there are people that have this as a job and it's i don't know I, d- I don't know how to feel about it personally because I mean, in, in terms of gaming though in general I, I suppose you probably would agree that where people even casual gamers didn't have time for gaming before the lockdown mm-hmm. that certainly the one thing that covid did was introduce maybe more people into gaming and allow those who already were into gaming to mm-hmm. have more time with it Hundred percent, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things, if uh, if you want it, if you want an example of that, is uh, you look at Xbox Game Pass. Yes, uh, Xbox Game Pass's membership has skyrocketed since the 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 first lockdown, and uh, I'll I'll admit I'm one of the people that bought it too because it's. Hey, I'm gonna be honest. That's a hell of a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you break. get yeah. so many games for eight ninety nine a month. So many, and it, it it is really worth it. And they 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 update it and add a new game every three or four days. Yes, and even no. if it's just like a small arcade game, something like that, they'll always, they'll always add something else to that. And so that has had so many people gaming, and I'm I'm actually quite glad because it's really spread the word. And like now, when I tell people my my work, that. Like my actual job, I'm not a full time streamer. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> uh, like when I tell them, "Oh yeah, I game, I, I game on PC mainly," and it's not a weird thing to say anymore. No, no. Like people, people are a lot more understanding of this stuff now, and where they go, "Oh okay," like you know, like it's just that. It, like I, when I came up, gaming was weird. Like you were a weirdo if you if you if you played video games. Now everybody's fine with it. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's it's something that I I rarely think about nowadays. But like my dad, um, back in the early nineties, uh, was was very much into video games. The late eighties, the early nineties, 
mm-hmm. mostly because he loved new technology. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he would have been about the same age I am now, which in itself is frightening to think about. But mm. he would have been very much into gaming. He would have gone to some of the fairs and would have traded like floppy disks for Amiga cartridges and <laughs> like basically buying and selling off the open black market as it was at the time. <laughs> um, and even later, he would have been one of the first people to get a PlayStation. He would have been very heavily invested in that and you know, my passion for gaming effectively comes from him. And I'm very Mm -hmm. thankful that he was into it to introduce it to the household. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, nowadays, he doesn't game so much, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't game at all, unfortunately. But at the same time, it was his passion at the time. But I'm kind of thinking now that like, yeah, definitely, like in the in the early 90s, even still, I can remember Craig Charles presented a program on television, um on sky one and i'm trying to remember what the name of it was but basically did a gaming show which used virtual reality and i can remember watching at the time and one of my friends being like how the hell could you be into this like Hmm. just turn on the wrestling for god's sake and you know (laughs) Hulk hogan is going to destroy sting tonight at bash at the beach we've got to watch that like you know (laughs) it's unreal like it, it really is and yeah, gaming has become a lot more mainstream in the last couple of uh, the last couple of months, or the certainly the last couple of years, but even more so the last couple of months, probably with lockdown. Like mm-hmm. everybody is gaming because maybe they have nothing else to do. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the the, the program that you're on about is called Games Master. Now, Games Master, yeah, that was that was Dominic Diamond on Channel Four. Um, right. I'm I'm having a look at this online because it's going to annoy me um, <laughs> because I'm going to have to try and find out. Sort of, uh, I know that Craig Charles presented Robot Wars. No, it was Cyberzone. Cyberzone. Okay. Yeah. So the show I'm talking about is a show from 1993, if you'll believe it, called Cyberzone. And, and I can remember watching that show. There's at least one episode up on YouTube. So if you get the opportunity, you should totally go and watch that. Because oh, yeah, I will. I, I love nostalgia. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it's, it's aged disgracefully. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same with one of my favorite programs from the 90s called Nightmare. <laughs> oh, I love Nightmare. That was so, it's such a good goddamn show. I'm sorry, I tried to explain it to my housemates the other day because yeah. I, I don't know why it came up the other day. And I was like, yeah, but no, they get these kids and then one of them puts a, a helmet on and then he could see like a dungeon, but it's actually loads of different green screen rooms with actors and things in. And they were like, what, what is this show? <laughs> Like, did somebody take acid and do this show? What happened? Like, it, well, that sounds probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like somebody, somebody took a large amount of drugs to make this show. Like, how did that get passed? Like, there's a, there's a creepy guy with a, with a beard that sits with three kids. Like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> that's that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Like, when you sit down and say, hang on a second. Like, who the hell thought this was a good idea? it's funny though because i went back actually a couple of i think it was during the last lockdown i went back and was looking through random stuff on youtube i do this a lot i start looking at like random videos or as you say nostalgic pieces or whatnot and i came across the first ever episode of nightmare and there's this particular scene at the very start 
where he's introducing the contestants and it's something like, and now we have Brian from Nottingham and we have George from Nottingham and we also have Simon from Derby. <laughs> and, when, and when he goes to introduce Simon, Simon's just like, oh, oh yeah. And he just, it was like he fell asleep or something. <laughs> the poor kid just is shocked into going, oh, yeah, sure. And, and it's just like, you totally didn't see that coming. He was in a world of his own. <laughs> his dad was probably off to the side going, Simon, Simon, the, and, and Simon, I think, look at the man. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the beauty of it. I think sometimes when you look at classic TV programs, like Supermarket Sweep is a great example. When you oh. look at that show from like the 80s and the 90s and Dale Winton is like, oh. you know, when you hear the beat, just think of the fun you could be having and he keeps on smiling. But, but the point is that the guests are more interesting than the presenter because the guests mm. are like, where do you find these people? Whereas <sighs> nowadays you bring people onto a TV show and they're like, hi, I'm Joan and I'm a model and I'm going to rule the world. And you're just like, you obviously want a career in media and that's why you've come on to be a guest on this game show. Yeah. Um, whereas it felt more natural years ago, I thought. And now all those people that would be on game shows could stream on Twitch. <laughs> well, that's it, that's it. And see, we'll bring it around full circle. You thought we'd lost it. I brought so, it right back. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad. Um. I'll tell you what, let's do let's do some questions and then obviously we, we can spend a bit of time talking about which further and implied lies and whatnot. But some questions yeah. that, as I say, I normally ask um, every guest who comes on to the show. So these questions are hard hitting and they, they drop like a stone in a river. I, I was going to oh. use some kind of Dungeons and Dragons reference, but I can't. <laughs> right. OK, question one. Could you name? Phil, could you name your favorite video game of all time? I'm going to go, right, so I'm, I'm going to go with my favorite purely because it, it really did get me into video games and uh, it's kind of what I have the most memories of and that would be Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. Nice. And uh, I loved this game. I, you have no idea how many hours I spent playing that game and getting every chow. Like I, I don't know if I'm trying. I'm gonna try and explain what a chow is from the Sonic series. It's these little munchkin type things, yeah. right? That have got like an onion head, right? That's the best way I can describe them. And they come in different colors and you had to collect them all in, in, in the story. And there was also a mini game yes. that could be played on the cartridge that you would put into your controller to save the game. Yes. Like yeah. that's one of the things people don't remember about the Dreamcast is it had a separate attachment that you could take anywhere and you could play like a little mini game. Oh no, I mean the, the Dreamcast um, was very much for me the most japanese type console released in the western world it was mm. years ahead of its time it mm. it had internet access before people even considered yeah. that, that would be important for mm. gaming mm. um sonic adventure obviously the first 3d sonic game yeah um 
I believe it was the launch title for the Dreamcast. I believe it was the first ever game announced mm-hmm. the first ever game on the Dreamcast. Yep. It may have been it may have been game number one. Um, but yeah, an absolutely phenomenal title, which I think very much sort of just a great platformer as well. No, the, the Dreamcast, I have a lot of of fateful memories. And it's it's good though, because actually. I think of all the shows we've done so far, I don't think anyone else has yet mentioned the Dreamcast. So I'm so <laughs> delighted that you've you've brought it. Did you did you ever play the sequel or did, uh, I did. Sonic, yes? Yeah. No. So Sonic Adventure Two, I, I I also equally loved, but the the first Sonic Adventure game just kind of like it 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 brought me to the fold so yes. uh, somewhat yeah. uh but it yeah i i love that those those games sonic adventure 2 as well the, the introduction of a, a brand new character who's really edgy and me as a as an edgy teenager uh <laughs> well no actually no i wasn't even a teenager i was like 12 so yeah like shadow was the the new edgy character and he had guns and rocket boosters in his shoes and this yeah. and he's made for kids and he's definitely not made to d- develop toys to sell them to you uh <laughs> so that your parents have to buy them but yeah no uh it, I, I love the second one too but what i loved about the first one is like the the piercing of it it had a it had yes. a developing story and like I can go back and I can easily just play that game if I really want to. Oh, percent. It's I don't all I also don't want to ruin my memories of it. You know, like when you go back to something, you go, oh, this yeah, is yeah, that's nah. that's true. I mean, it's I don't I don't want to do that because I, I love I've got so much admiration for this game that brought me to to the games that I have a weird relationship with it now where I don't want to go back and play it. Mm. it's very weird it's, it's i don't want to go back to play it because i know it, it's going to show all the flaws that i know it had yes and, and i'm gonna go oh that means it wasn't as good as what i thought it was <laughs> but and i know for a fact it wasn't it wasn't as good as what i thought it was but because it's the first video game i obviously rose tented glasses you know i yeah. I, I, yeah. I have that towards that game I mean that that can that can often be the case, obviously. So you can often sort of come up with that sort of like, oh, this is this is the best game I ever played because I played it when I was twelve. But mm. I do think though, I think as far as the Dreamcast, it hasn't aged badly in any way. I think it's still very playable. I think if mm. you know to anybody out there who has a Dreamcast, would probably tell you that they would sit down and easily play it from time to time. Uh, the controller itself still feels like a modern controller. It's, it's almost so as big. big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so important at the time, and we didn't realize that. You know, you could almost look at the Dreamcast controller as the blueprint for sort of the current generation. You can because um, it's it introduced ABXY. Yes, the yeah. ABXY format for Xbox. So you can kind of say that Xbox copied Sega. But uh, they they bit they did basically use that format later on, and they were the first to introduce uh, what was it sticks? I think I think they might have been the first controller to introduce sticks because it was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine when the Dreamcast was uh, brought out. So because I remember it did it did have an analog stick on the on the left hand side. 
Yes. And it had triggers, it had everything. So it was, it, it, it actually, I think it might have been one of the first uh, consoles to introduce a, a, a lot of different factors. I think so, yeah. I mean, definitely I remember it sort of in terms of internet and mm. in terms of streaming online and connecting online. The Dreamcast was like telling people, oh, you can use this game to go online or you can connect to the hub. Mm -hmm. And people were kind of like, what the hell is the point of doing that? Because <laughs> they didn't understand sort of, you know, how much you could do. And then, of course, Microsoft came out with the Xbox a few years later, and that started edging towards sort of online gaming. And Sony did it as well. But the Dreamcast, I mean you know, at a time when people either didn't have internet or if they did, at best, they had a dial-up modem and they had to plug in their Dreamcast through the phone line. <laughs> but um, it was it was very possible. It was very possible to play, like, you know, to go online and to surf and sort of, you know, I think there were forums and all that that were set up purposely for Dreamcast yeah. players. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, no, there was. There was definitely a lot of that sort of stuff. I do. You've just unlocked a memory of me trying to plug my Dreamcast into the phone line for a modem <laughs> yes. for dial-up. Like I, I remember doing that, and I, I remember the only reason that I wanted to do that is there was a game that that shipped with the Dreamcast called Choo Choo Rocket. Yes. Right. And the the only online feature you could get is that you could do. Um, not a ranked, but like uh, your 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 score would be entered and onto the internet, and you would it would be the, your worlds, like your world uh, leaderboard. Yes, that's what you could upload to, and you could you could get access to and put put your score on the world leaderboard. And I wanted to see how good I was at Choo Choo Rocket compared to everybody else. I was sucked, by the way. I came like maybe four hundredth or something in the world at one point. So that's that's my claim to fame. 400th and Choo Choo Rocket, officially. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm claiming it right now. I'm putting well, it on my profile. <laughs> there's a great article. Uh, there's a great article from 2017 from a website called the Dreamcast Junkyard.co.uk, mm. which I recommend in general because it's an amazing... Uh, you know, it's an amazing website. And it talks even about the fact that people are still releasing new games for the Dreamcast today, mm -hmm. then people are still coding new games for the Dreamcast in 2020. But mm -hmm. the point is, though, that um, even aside from any of that, um, they talk about like, well, can I go online and can I basically, you know, use the Dreamcast to browse the Internet in 2020 or 2017? And at the time that they tried this experiment, they very much could get online. Mm -hmm. And they were, yeah, they could they could very much do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were able to uh, to access the online server and like browse news articles and all that. So it's um it's quite cool, actually. It's it's very cool to see that happen. Um and I mean, you know, people would say, well, what's the point in using a 58, you know, 56k modem, you know, to go through your phone line? <laughs> The point yeah. is that you still can. They haven't shut any of this yeah. technology down. You no, no, it's still, still there. It. It's still all there. Well, I mean, it's Sega and uh, a lot, a lot of those, a lot of those companies. They're they're very, they're very brand loyal. 
I will yes. say that. Yes. So it's, I, I would say that's one of the things that you do get if you buy into these companies is, is brand loyalty and that you know the thing that you're playing is going, going to be supported for a long time because the, the people at those companies still play those games as well and they want to play those as well. So they want to keep those servers running. Yes. You know, they, they still do all of those sorts of things and they love um, people just still playing their games and everything. And to, to think about it, when like you brought out, the Dreamcast came out in 99. It's 21 yeah. years old. You know what I mean? Like it's a twenty-one-year-old console. Like it's legal enough to drink in America now. You know, <laughs> it's that's how old it is, and it still has an internet access. So you've got to think from what, let's say, uh, how much? How much would it was a Dreamcast? Nine, nine, nine. Hold on, let me have a quick look. I'll, I'll have a quick Google. Uh, how much? Other other search platforms are available. That uh, <laughs> was the Dreamcast on launch. Right. Uh, Dreamcast on launch, $199. Okay. So a, a $200 console in 1999 is still working. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about it like that is a bit of a crazy thought because I don't know anybody that's got an original PlayStation that still works. That is theirs from, 90, from when it launched. Yes. I know yeah. people that have bought other ones, but sure. they don't have the same one. No. Like I, I can go back to my mother's house and my, I can plug the Dreamcast back in and it'll still work. Which is, like which that, is scary. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that says a lot about build quality and what they actually put into it and how much it, it actually does work. Whereas I, I remember having a, my brother had a PlayStation One, and yeah. everything broke on that thing. Like the wire for the controller came out. Uh, it was exposed wires. Uh, I remember the power supply went on it a couple of times. He had to try and cheat it. He ended up getting it chipped. Uh, like I know so many people who ended up getting PlayStations chipped. If you remember, that was a thing back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not that I, not that I did it. No, nobody. Did. Oh no, 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 no. But nobody I, I ever did, did it. it. Nobody admitted <laughs> to doing it. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> But you know, but then people are still people are still modding PlayStations. I mean, look at the PlayStation Classic that came out about two years ago. People were like, "Oh, I don't like the twenty games it has," and immediately some guy online starts releasing a USB, and mm -hmm. I think it was called something like True Blue or something. And all you needed to do was insert this USB into the PlayStation Classic. And it would mm. just give you a library of like 570 odd games. And, oh, yeah. You can get all know. them ROMs still, man. Yeah, like, that's all those it. are still online. You can download a lot of them for free. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Same with Dreamcast. Same with Dreamcast. And you can download a lot of those games for free now as well. So you can. It's, I, I, think, I think everybody should go and like at least understand where games have came from. Oh, like yeah. that—that's—that's yeah. that's what I always say to people. Like to, to these like young gamers that are getting brought up with Fortnite and all that sort of stuff. Like, because I've got nieces and nephews and all that sort of stuff, and I've actually got a son now, which is weird. But uh, anyway, <laughs> he's like, but, but when but when he grows up, yeah. like I'm going to have, I, like he's going to get introduced to video games at some point. But I'm going to introduce him to them properly. Yes. Like I'm get like at some point I want to try and get him like a Game Boy when he's old enough. Yeah. Like and just go, oh yeah, this is what I like I used to kind of have when I was your age, like when I was like whatever, twelve or eleven. And like that that I had a Game Boy to play on. 
and I was just, and just to help him understand that this is where video games came from and to where they are today, so that he can understand different, like to, to understand the evolution and I, how much I think, effort has actually been yeah. put in I, to I where think they that's are. Important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like any sort of art or media, more like historic art or even history. I mean, even even if we want to go completely out there and say it's like the same with civil rights, you know, if you're talking about your history and where your, you know, where your people came from or where your country came from, it's mm. important to understand sort of what has come before. Um, mm. And so in that respect, obviously, it's, you know, it's very useful in terms of gaming. I'm interested to know, though, in 10 or 20 years time, because at the moment, like Game Boys, they're, they are seen as antiquated. Obviously, they're not mm. seen as um, they're not they're not seen as just bricks and discarded. There is a lot of love for the original Game Boy and mm. stuff like the Commodore 64. I'm interested to see what happens come another generation. You know, yeah, no, in I am 15, as well. 20 years, where will, how will we view what is currently 30 years old when it's 50 years old? Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be quite an interesting transition. And then as well as that, where will we be in terms of, in terms of technology? Where will it take us? Mm -hmm. um, provided that Amazon haven't enslaved us all. <laughs> um, you know, maybe they have though and Amazon have come up with a, a supercomputer which is just the greatest gaming console in the world ever and you never need to buy another one and you just become you know that is the only console you ever need and just how the the, uh, well, the games race uh, ends <laughs> I th I'm waiting for the ready player one universe to happen all right oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. waiting for I'm waiting for us to all plug in and go meet our friends in the oasis I, right? I, would, I would happily live in the oasis I, yes uh, me yeah. too I yeah. was I would be like listen corrupt the earth as much as you want but give us somewhere to go like just give that's give it. us something just, let me let me do something let me because I'll I'll, I'll, let, I'll tell you actually I've uh, I've been experimenting with the and uh, which is yes. quite an, an interesting uh, premise because uh, one of my roommates heavily invested in a VR and got uh, an Oculus. Okay. Uh, so it's one of the one of the things that I, I was you say, like, do you want to try it? And I was like, yeah. One of the like, there's different things you can get for VR. Like, so many nerds have went into VR that you can now buy extra um, lenses that plug that go into your actual Oculus where your eyes would be, so that it's an adjustment for if you wear glasses. Bloody hell! Okay, like so that like you can so you can wear glasses and be in VR. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. I don't have to take my glasses off. I'll put it on. I put it on. I played uh, like some Beat Saber stuff. Yeah. Like so, you can. It's it's a pretty basic, but it gets you into the idea of what you're doing. Okay. So I started doing this thing, and then I just I was like, oh, I, I, I admittedly I'd had a couple of drinks. Okay. Don't oh. drink in VR. <laughs> Don't do it. It's not a good idea, right? But at, at the time, I had this was this was months and months and months ago. Uh, but <laughs> I'd had a couple. I took the VR helmet off, and what they don't say is you need you shouldn't like just jump straight into a thing on VR because it really disorients you. Yes, like, and it messes your balance up, my friend. So I took the VR helmet off, handed it to my roommate, and I just went, ooh, I feel weird. <laughs> and 
the, the entire room was just spinning just wow. spinning 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 and i was like oh my god what is happening here so i was terrified and i i had a thing right i i searched online for what this thing was apparently this is like a genuine common problem that some people have with vr i can't wear vr because the inner ear canals in, in like in my ears the things that help you balance got moved off center when I put the VR helmet on because it's trying to adjust for something that isn't there. Wow. So it messed my balance up for a solid month. Like where if I just tipped my head too too fast, the room span for two seconds. I was like, oh my God. Wow. A month. It was like that for a month, my friend. It was, oh, it was hell. (laughs) Like I I, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't just whip my head around to look at a person anymore. I had to take it a little bit slowly at first. Oh, it was awful. I felt sick and everything. But yeah, be careful when you're in VR, folks. No, if that's you... fair enough. Don't don't drink in VR. That's a good Don't message. don't drink in yeah. VR, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, I like that. That's, I like that's that. my bumper sticker. Indeed, <laughs> you know? indeed. Um so in terms of in terms of these questions, let's see what else we have. Um what is what is your favorite uh, console or handheld of all time, and why would that be the case? It would be the Game Boy Advance, um, and it would be the oh, what's the version? I can't remember what version it is. I think it's the SP. Okay, um, which is the like foldable. Yes, one. yes, that was um, the, yeah, that was the SP. Yeah, and it's it's it was foldable. It was silver, and I remember like for for a handheld, that is definitely my favorite console for for, for purely handheld. So I'll I'll answer both questions technically. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's my favorite handheld for sure because I used to play, uh, what was it? Leaf Green game. Uh, oh, Pokemon yeah, yeah, Leaf Pokemon. Green on that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I used to play Pokemon Leaf Green on that all the time. Like I uh, I had seventy eighty hours in that easy. Wow. Uh, amongst other games but my favorite console um isn't the dreamcast the, the dreamcast is like my favorite and it's the one i have the most memories of mm-hmm. well my first memories but my favorite console is the xbox 360 because of the uh, the amount of people that were playing online like people don't understand like how many people were playing xbox live no. Like it, it no, when when yeah. when the Xbox 360 came out and it was like oh yeah you can just play with people online and just pay a membership that's it and it's like what I can play with people all over the world what yeah. and then I can play with my friends from school like that that's that was the big thing for me at the time like I can play with my friends from school who were uh, who who all had Xboxes and they we all wanted to play Halo Three together. Yeah, you know that that was my thing. It was Halo Three for me, and and that that game, the amount of friends that I made from that game, I, I still to this day, actually, have a friend that I met from school because of Halo Three, and he's still my friend to this day. And he turned up in my university class, and I didn't even know he was going to be there, and he was he's in some of the same classes as me, but it's it's really weird. But anyway. Uh, yeah, like Halo 3 brought so many people together and how good that online multiplayer was as well was kind of uh, a testament 
to how how well they could make games and how well Bungie did with that that game. Yes. It's yeah. so good. It's so amazingly well done, and it's a it's a brilliant console, the Xbox 360. It really brought a lot of people to the. It was a lot of people's first console. Yeah, but, absolutely. It was it was a lot more. I would say it was a lot more accessible than PlayStation, especially at the time, because I think people forget that PlayStation 2, not so much, but PlayStation 3 started to sort of damage Sony's reputation. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until they started to claw it back with PS4, whereas Mm -hmm. the time Xbox 360 was released, it was cheaper, it was more accessible. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, you could argue that the only two major first-party titles were Gears of War and Halo, the exclusives. Mm -hmm. But those are two amazing games franchises. And to Mm -hmm. be honest, for those franchises alone, you Mm -hmm. should have been playing 360. Yes, 100%. And even if, like, let's say, for example, you were like, oh, well, the Xbox doesn't have uh, Spyro. For example, yes. it doesn't have it doesn't have a Spyro game. Like if you were like a lot of people that I knew that had PlayStations, uh, they were big fans of Spyro, especially like PlayStation Two and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. Um, but like they were like they don't have that big main character, and then they came out with Ukulele. Uh, no, not Ukulele. It was um, oh, there was no yeah not Ukulele Viva, came out Viva. on the Xbox Three Sixty, and Viva Pinata as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and Viva Pinata. And they came out with all these other really different games. When you look at the Xbox 360, it is an experimental console. Because oh, yeah. when, when you look at the different things that came out for it, it was one of the first consoles to include uh, a headset that plugged into your controller. That, so that your, your, your controller and your headset were, were relatively close so they could be wired. It was the... It, it, well... It, it was one of the first thing. It was one of the first major consoles to use Connect. Yes. Like if you if you remember the Connect, and like I, I had one of those for Christmas, and those things sucked. Uh, but like <laughs> I, personally, I hated those things just because they were just oh, I, I didn't have enough room in my house. Like I had to try and play it in the sitting room because my bedroom wasn't big enough. Like you had to have like six foot box around you in order to play this. Fucking stupid camera. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Oh, you're all right. Go ahead. Oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. And this, oh, I just, oh, this, oh, that connect. I had so many problems with that game. Uh, just, oh, that, that, that game. Sorry, that, that camera console. I mean, the connect, the connect was all very well and good. But to be fair, like, then PlayStation brought out the move, which unfortunately sort of fell on its backside. And then, you know, it, it it sort of developed from there to become this virtual reality thing. And that's when we sort of got, that's where we got PlayStation VR from. Mm-hmm. Um, but the argument is though that, yeah, Microsoft started that whole thing. I mean, you know, that, that uh, the Star Wars game where you could, uh, the Star Wars dance game where you could, um, you know, I'm going to be in the empire today. You know, I mean, that <laughs> that kind of stuff was just, was great fun. You know, you'd watch, I mean, um, it's, it, it's even that's been featured on like Big Bang Theory and all this, like, and mm. they have Halo Nights and all regularly on the show. Mm. It's very much a kind of a collaborative thing in that respect. Um, mm. Yeah, I would say Xbox 360 was, was a, a great console um, mm. and still is, to be honest, is still... Yeah, very cheaply available. 
yeah it still holds up absolutely it and it's 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 really good and you can still you can still get xbox 360 games in like secondhand stores like oh, you know, yeah they're, they're still selling xbox 360 and ps3 games oh so yeah it's like you can still find a gem every now and then oh you, you know like absolutely. like a thing where you're just like i didn't know that was released then and it's only like three quid so it's it's one of those those types of consoles where it's you can look back at it and even then you could say it's it's one of the first to introduce like a an online store as well because you, you look at Xbox Live and they they started putting like they had that that first online store I think uh, I no think it might have been yeah. Nintendo maybe with the Wii. I think I think the Wii was a first, an online store before Xbox, but um, yeah, just the amount of things that they did with that console and Halo Three, especially, I have th- those memories of because it's just so good. Yes, I'm wondering now who had the first online store in in gaming. Um, that would be quite interesting. Uh, the digital distribution of video games. I'm going to need to look into that. Now, question question three is probably something that on you know you've you've already answered. I think earlier on mm. when you were talking about Sonic Adventure and and the Dreamcast. But question three was going to be: What are your first memories of gaming? Yeah, Sonic Adventure. Uh, Sonic Adventure. Um, Sonic uh, Crazy Taxi. Yes. Uh, what else? Choo Choo Rocket. Skies of Arcadia. That was one of the, one of the bit, one of the first games that introduced me to RPGs. Yes. Uh, Skies of Arcadia on the Dreamcast. Excellent uh, RPG. I have not went back and played it, but I, I do want to play it on stream at some point, uh, just to ruin my memories of it, <laughs> just to absolutely destroy my own childhood in, on it on a camera for everybody to see. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, it's what it's what it's what you know. It's, it's a fun fun pastime. Um, but yeah, no, definitely of uh, those Dreamcast early titles. Excellent. Um, I'm just having a look here, just based on what we were speaking about earlier. This answer has has totally floored me, right? So in terms of digital distribution services, would you believe that the very first digital distribution service was actually a hell of a lot earlier than we think? So mm-hmm. In the early 1980s, there was a service called GameLine, which allowed Atari 2600 owners use a specialized cartridge connected through a phone line to a central server to rent a video game for between five and ten days. Well, um, I, can, I can fully, fully, yeah. fully believe that because it's because uh, I looked into the, the origins of the internet, where it all came from, Tim Berners Lee. Like, I, I, I know a lot of that stuff, but that does not surprise me for that time because the, at that time they had some crazy engineers in the 80s that were just doing oh, a lot of varying things when it comes to, to gaming and consoles and data sharing and the, it's yeah I can well believe that but it is a very very good statistic and very very good it's um, very interesting because a lot of people don't don't understand how far this stuff goes by the no, really no. Well, this is this is very true. Um, Sega Mega Net, also known as the Network System, was an online service for the Mega Drive in Japan and later in Brazil. And this was as early as November 1990. 
Mm. Um, and basically it used a peripheral called the Mega Modem and offered several unique titles that could be downloaded and a few could even be played competitively with friends. So mm. we, we are talking competitive online gaming in 1990, which is absolutely incredible. But and was that available in the Western world, or was that no? Mainly... That was that was literally just in Japan in 1990, mm-hmm. and then according to this article, some stage around 94 and 95, Brazil got that service, the country of Brazil. But I wonder, um, why, I wonder why it was Brazil and not anywhere else. Who knows? To be honest, it, it, I mean, there's there's a couple of different bits, but basically, it was it was Sega who came out with a lot of this. Um, mm. And then obviously on PCs, digital distribution was a lot more prevalent. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, bulletin boards, shareware, and obviously, you know, you could connect to a modem to, to reach a system probably as as um, as early as in the 19, uh, in the mid or the early to mid 1980s. It was kind of quite prevalent. Again, if you're looking for nostalgia, Phil, I recommend there's a YouTube video where I think it's London News Television is interviewing these people who are effectively sending an email, but it was filmed in 1984. There's a big, huge news piece about how they can connect to the phone line to send an email to go to the studios. And when you receive the email, what the message will be. And it's just, I mean, it's so simple because, I mean, you know, you could send an email talking right now on the show from mm-hmm. one person to another without adding an eyelid, you know, answer yeah. your emails. But at the time, this was like a huge deal. This was like, bloody hell, this is, you know, tomorrow's world, quite literally. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's very worth it. It's well worth looking up a video if you get the opportunity. Um, in terms of modern sort of gaming, or at least bringing it to 2020 mm. uh the next question was going to be what are you currently playing uh well i'm a i'm a pc gamer uh yes. i've i have been for ooh, since well i've, I've been a, a, an owner of a relatively good pc since january but i've always been into pc gaming i've i've had previous systems and previous setups and the 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 full shebang there. I've never made my own, but I understand the working parts. If you get what I'm saying, yes, yes. right. So it's and I I consider myself incredibly lucky, and the people that I live with that they're very smart, uh, and they're a lot smarter than me. Uh, but it's it's that old saying of never be the smartest person in the room. You know, yes, so, yes. Uh, I I like to try and surround myself with people that are smarter than me, so I can learn things and challenge myself and go forward but um yeah i'm lucky in the fact that i get to just talk to people about computers all day and just being like hey i've got a it issue and my roommate can go what's the problem what's happening oh no (laughs) like i basically have an in-house tech tech um for, for this sort of stuff but yeah pc um all the way. Uh, one of the things, that, one of the reasons why I've always been a, a kind of a PC gamer is the modding community. Um, the the modding community on, on PC are so lovely. Some of the some of the most the nicest people I've ever met. Um, 
I used to get involved with, oh, what was it? There was a different, uh, there was a different game. I can't remember the name of it now. I got involved with it for a few months. It was a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Baldur's Gate. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Baldur's Gate 2 on PC ended up with loads of different mods where you could introduce different Dungeons and Dragons stories. Yes. And people had done, and because it was all text based, there wasn't a, there wasn't any voice acting. So all you had to do was type this stuff out and know that know the different code and API to be able to to generate these things for different Dungeons and Dragons stories. So entire Dungeons and Dragons books and the entire storylines were entered into Baldur's Gate Two. Oh wow! So you could you could play out these different stories, and that that's kind of where I, I fell in love with. PC gaming and I was like you can't get this stuff on a console man like no, you, well, you no. couldn't at the time but and, and right now it's it's very different you know if we look to the more modern just you know a, a couple of days ago I was playing Skyrim and yes. you, you buy a you buy a version of Skyrim special edition now like that's that's a what a 10 year old game yeah Can yeah I, at least yeah. yeah yeah a 10 year old game if you buy the Skyrim special edition you can buy it for 10 pound right and okay. it comes with uh, an extra option on the menu, which is called mods. And it's you can just install all the the, the nice mods to make make everything look uh, up to up to standard, or at least 2018, 2019 standard. Um, and it brings those graphics uh, straight back up. Like you've probably you've you obviously you've seen the different things that people have done in Skyrim, adding Macho Man Randy Savage as a dragon. Yes, you know, like <laughs> you know, like those early things really made me laugh and got me into, you know, modding, and it's 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 beautiful. I love it. I, I love PC games. Well, um, just to give you an idea, so Bethesda uh, released Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim for the PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. You're not going to believe this. I didn't know this. November 11th. The date we're actually recording this show, November 11th, 2011. So exactly um, nine years, nine years <laughs> ago today. Um, yeah, yeah. Play the, play the Dovahkiin music. Dovahkiin. Uh, no, yeah, Dovahkiin. Quick, <laughs> do the music. Uh, we have no copyright for that. Um, PS4 and Xbox One versions came out in October 2016, October the 28th. And then in November, um, in November 2017, uh, a Switch version came out. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's that's insane that um, that Skyrim uh, is is exactly nine years old and still has so much love in in the mm. community for that game. Amazing. Oh, All right, sorry, I lost you for a second. Now I'm not I'm alright. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, the what is an, an interesting statistic for you about Skyrim is if it and it looks like it is going to be, um, if it gets released on PS5 and the Xbox um, Series S or Series X, uh, if it gets released on those, that'll be three generations of consoles that Skyrim has been on. Ah, uh, now you see, I would say to you, fair enough, and I would agree with you. Um, and and that way may well be the case. Unfortunately, though, Grand Theft Auto Five is beating <laughs> to it. Um, 
because Grand Theft Auto V has now officially had three PlayStations. Um, yes, was, right. Previously, there were three Grand Theft Autos on the one PlayStation 2, mm -hmm. which is a scary thought in itself. Um, but I mean, how do you actually, how do you feel about that actually? Because that's something that, that comes up a lot in, in conversations with people about gaming. How do you feel about this idea of like the games that, you know, were a hit that are mm. still have a staple core audience just being remastered and rehashed for the next generation? What are your feelings on that? I mean, should Rockstar be doing another Grand Theft Auto and not mm. just simply putting out the fifth one again? Um, well, I, I think I think Rockstar can take a leaf out of a, a certain producer uh, a, a certain uh company's book and that would be cd project red to me yes. um I, and i really think they need they need to have a look at what cd project red have actually been doing with cyberpunk uh over the past past few years is it's very a very interesting uh way of designing a game and the way that the the way that so cd project red obviously they they made the witcher games and yes. the witcher 3 absolutely huge huge game and uh i think that, that game's four years old now hold on i'm gonna double yeah. check i'm gonna double check myself for when it came out uh 2015 so it's five years old right? okay it's a five-year-old game and it's still one of the most popular games yes okay so it that that would tell me that it has you you could put that on a ps5 or the new xbox you could very you can there's an argument to be made that you can very easily port that straight over now with skyrim and gta i really do not think there is enough evidence to say that it deserves to be uh, ported over gta there is definitely more of an argument to be made because there is an online player base there yeah that clearly plays that a lot but what you've got to think of in terms for gta and rockstar is how much money are they going to make from porting this to ps5 or xbox and how much how much are they actually going to make compared to if they just stay with the xbox one or the ps4 and all this and the pc and just upgrade all the, all the different things around there and when you think when if they if they do port it over to ps5 that would be three generations of consoles for gta for gta 5 to go over that they all have to constantly update yes instead of maybe not shutting down the gta 5 servers but saying listen in five years time or in a couple of years time the ps3 servers are going down this the ps4 servers are going down in three years like and given a timeline to say listen we are moving forward towards our next title but yeah they they don't want to announce when the, the GTA 6 is coming out or where it's going to be or any of this sort of stuff. Whereas CD Projekt Red, on the complete opposite uh, bend of the uh, uh, spectrum, turn around and just say, hey, yeah, no, this is what we're doing. This is who it's about. We've got Keanu Reeves in it. Here's what the studio is doing. And then because you've been given all those updates... And you see what they've been doing, and then CD Projekt Red say, "Listen, we, we need some extra time to make this game as good as it can be. The fans aren't as bad with it. There have been, I will admit, some idiots on the internet 
uh, because yeah. there's always idiots on the internet that have there been death, death threats to CD Projekt Red. And to those people, I say, I'm going to swear again, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> shut, uh, just shut the fuck up and get in line. You know, these people, these people have families. They've got jobs to fucking go to. Let them do it and let them make a goddamn good game. And that's, and that's what kind of pissed me off with this whole say, Cyberpunk 2077 thing. I'm one of the, like, I'll happily admit, I've already pre-ordered it. I've, I've, it's already been paid for. I've already paid my 50 quid. I'm going to be playing the hell out of it. Yeah. But these people that don't understand that CD Projekt Red are about perfection, they don't want to have to release a game and do a day one patch. And inevitably they will have to because it ends up being the same with all these different uh, big launch title games is you always end up needing day one patch because after you've released it, you found out something else in the, in the, from your beta testers or anything else. It's, there's yes. always something else there. But I think Rockstar really do need to take a, a leaf out of CD Projekt Red's book and just say, listen, I'm, we're going to open the doors here a bit. This is what we do. This is how we develop new DLC. This is how we listen to you guys. And I, f- I feel like people wouldn't be anywhere near as hard on Rockstar then. Just if yeah. a little bit more openness can probably help everybody, I think. No, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, if you look at, like if you look at sales figures, for example, so so as of kind of September 2020, mm-hmm. uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has mm-hmm. shipped more than 34 million units worldwide, mm-hmm. right? More than 34 million units worldwide, nice. which is absolutely phenomenal by all accounts. Mm-hmm. And so it is a phenomenal game released in October 2018 after phenomenal achievements. In mm. seven years, all around the world, Grand Theft Auto V has sorted a huge 135 million units. Mm. So obviously from that point of view, it's a hugely impressive game. And people are still buying it each quarter, these sales figures are still coming in. So mm-hmm. it is still making money. But they have reported that those sales have now started to slow. Yes. And probably part of the reason for that is because they've announced in 2021, the game will come to PS5. Mm-hmm. So yes, your PS4 version will be backwards compatible with the PS5, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um that backwards compatibility may end when the PS5 version arrives, who knows? But at the same time, there is a lot of gaming out there. There is a lot of choice out there. Mm -hmm. So for people to be investing in the same game that they purchased seven years ago for the PS3 to go ahead and buy another version on the PS4, Mm-hmm. go ahead and buy a second version on the PS5 mm-hmm. to probably have spent at least some kind of money in Grand Theft Auto Online mm-hmm. to have spent something over the years. It says a lot, really. I mean, in in I would hope that Rockstar have made their money back for what oh, it costs yeah. to make this game. You would mm-hmm. like to think. <laughs> I mean, you would like to think that, you know, they don't all want to just make money but it's it's they're a business at the end of the day yeah. you, you, you can't like if, if i was the ceo of rockstar i'd be laughing in me pit of money as well you know like it's yeah. it's I, I can't fault them 
for wanting to make money because at the end of the day that's what all businesses want they want to be able to pay their staff they ha- i understand rockstar has a huge staff too and yeah. uh, and it's i know you want to pay those people and you you've got to make your monthly uh, profits and all this sort of stuff but at the same time i feel like in order to have respect of your audience you have to at some point take a hard look and go what are we doing here this doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense um but I, I, it's um i i understand why they do the things they do but i just wish they were a little bit more uh morally accurate let's say yes no i yeah. i could agree with that absolutely i think um mm-hmm. Definitely. It's it's the same, you know, it's the same with any major studio. Obviously, they're in it to make money. And the whole idea is that if they release something that's a guaranteed hit that they know people will like based on previous reception, mm-hmm. then they're guaranteed a bit of money in the bank. But hopefully that will lead to them taking a chance on something new or producing original content. Mm-hmm. Um Now, that being the case, it leads very nicely to our last question for these guests, the fifth question. Um, Mm. And they've all sort of interspersed very well together. But this last one is is always, you know, quite an interesting one. Mm. If, Phil, you could design a game, any game, what kind of game would it be? What would happen if you could design a video game? Tell me about it. MMO, easy. Okay. Uh, Right. Uh, I've... I have a very complicated relationship with massively multiplayer online RPGs. Okay. Uh, I have, it's yeah, no, 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 yeah, the, you, you don't understand, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was a crackhead for World of Warcraft at one point. Uh, so yeah, there was there was a point in my life where I spent an entire year in a box room and played World of Warcraft. That was it. That's all yeah. I did. Every day, doing raids, that, that, that's all I cared about, getting my dailies done, doing it, that, that's it. Now, why I would like to make, why I would make an MMO is I've always loved the idea of MMOs as they're, they are their own contained universe. Like, yes. I, I love that idea of pure creations and i i come from that world of um not role playing in, in in a sense of in a sense of that but in in universe creation and telling a story yeah and i believe mmos do that and flesh out so much story within them because you can have loads of different things happening and I don't see MMOs as like a video game. I almost see them as like, uh, almost like a visual novel in the sense of that you have this giant overarching story through all of World of Warcraft. Every single expansion is not an expansion of just the land. It's an expansion of the actual story that's happening all around. And that's what affects the land. And yes. that's what that's what I love. I love that aspect of universal creation and being able to just mold these different things into going like, oh well, this person has done this, so we need to affect the land. And so, like for example, in Shadowlands, that this is that's the latest expansion for World of Warcraft. It's called Shadowlands. They've been running the beta, 
and the beta, the base, the the beta, the oh, the fans have really kicked off. Uh, it, it's like World of Warcraft now is got getting to a point where every time there's a new expansion, people will come back, they'll play the ori- the the original uh with the expansion for three four months do everything do all the raids find out there's nothing left to do and then leave their account to me that's a bit of a messed up thing yeah like if if you've got an mmo and yeah i i think what i think world of warcraft has genuinely just went on for too long like it's one of those things where it didn't have it doesn't have a definite end point and that's what i think people are a bit sick of of and for me, the way that I would do this MMO and do it differently is it would have a certain time period. It's 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 it would only go on for a certain amount of time and it'll come out again at a different certain amount of time. That way people get excited for it. I want to come back, you know, like it's I want to come back to that universe. I've really missed it. It's and being able to do that. That's the way I would do it, because it's these people like. Blizzard don't care anymore. They've very, very clearly made, they've made that assumption that they just don't care about fans anymore. The the amount of crap that happened with, did you see that Hearthstone streamer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Am I allowed to talk about this, by the way, or are we going to get banned? Yeah, Uh, no, no, absolutely. Right, cool. Right, I want to talk about this because this 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 was so messed up by Blizzard. I, I it's unbelievable. I ended up writing an article about it, by the way, but never mind. Uh, I'm I, I'm not even gonna say where you can get it because not even I know. <coughs> but there was a there was a Hearthstone streamer that was doing a, a tournament that Blizzard yeah. had, had created. I'm not gonna say his name because I can't remember. Hold on, Hearthstone uh, streamer. You're, you're talking about what's been referred to online as the Blitzchung controversy. Yes, the Blitz, the Blitzchung yeah. controversy. Yeah. So that, that that's what I'm on about. It's yeah. this guy. It, he, he puts up a sign that says "Free Hong Kong," right at the end of his match, and he's just like, "Hey, yeah, free Hong Kong." And the other guy he's playing clearly knows something's going to happen because he ducks out of it. The, he ducks out of frame, and he's like, "I'm not getting involved in this frame because I'm gonna. This is gonna hit me in the neck." Because he knew that Tencent are, are heavily involved with Blizzard, and that yes. Tencent are heavily involved in the censoring of anything to do with Chinese propaganda. So, the, and they they are act, they actively do that, and I, that that blew me away. The fact that they that they initially came out. Uh, and Blizzard were were punishing him. They were giving him a Hearthstone ban. They gave him a fine uh, for, for for holding up a sign. That's that's what it wasn't. It's not about the message to me. At the end of the day, it's about what you're what you're able to and what not yet you're, you're not able to say. Now, I'll defend everybody's right to be able to say whatever the hell they want. And yes, I understand consequences. But for someone holding up a sign and you give them a fine, that's messed up, man. Yeah. That's 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 a messed up situation. And you imagine being that guy going, oh, yeah, uh, for you holding up that piece of cardboard on on the Internet, uh, $10,000 fine and you're not playing for six months in any tournaments. What? But all it like and <laughs> like these companies don't understand. People don't care what they think. 
And we all know that people that are on these platforms have their own opinions. I think it's about time that uh, companies stop treating people like idiots. We all know that he doesn't represent Blizzard or, or Blizzard's opinions. We all know he's clearly his own person because he's in a tournament. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Think about, thinking about context, like giving the context of that entire situation was so messed up on, on, on behalf of Blizzard. And it, it got me really angry. But then when they turned around and they apologized, took the fine away and they put his fine down to, no, they took his, uh, his fine away, but the, the, his ban went from six months to like a month. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not allowed to talk about it. That's what that, so I'm like, that's, uh, I mean, you know, the fact that, the fact that basically that, the, you know, the Congress of the United States were getting involved and, you know, that they were sending letters that senators from the U.S. Mm -hmm. were sending letters, you know, to Activision and, and Blizzard um, mm -hmm. was insane, really, to be quite mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, but then at the same time, it obviously it's it's very important to say that, you know, China's political instability in one sense, Blizzard are sort of like, do we want to be known as as that political company and whatnot? But well, that's it. It's gonna yeah. tar that reputation now. It's tar yeah. that reputation forever. Like there's gonna be people like me who I don't forget that shit. I'm yeah. sorry, like, it, the next time I think about different companies, like, Blizzard hasn't had any money from me since then. Like, nothing. They haven't had nothing from me. I know loads of different people that just deleted their Blizzard accounts, lost 10-plus years of World of Warcraft characters because of this. Because, yeah. Like, because of how big of a boundary that stepped, more than anything, of you've now stepped from being an entertaining company that makes video games and now you've decided to make a political statement and to me that's where these things should never cross oh yeah absolutely i i don't i sincerely i mean i, I you know it might seem all heavy for somebody listening to this show who's sort of like hang on a second you know i thought this was about gaming but the point is it is in the fact yeah. that gaming should be completely separate from politics and it should not in any way be this kind of, yeah, we're releasing this game, but if you play it, we want to know that you're a certain political person or that mm. you're not. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's basically gaming is supposed to be about inclusion. Mm. And ultimately, there are people, I'm sure, whose opinions I disagree with or I don't like or for whatever mm. reason that doesn't mean they shouldn't be invited to play the same video games I play because mm -hmm. the great thing about online multiplayer gaming is that anonymity is that sort of sharing um, a joint responsibility for the task mm -hmm. at hand, but at the same time, just having, um, a, you know, a, basically a, a free uh, world, uh, you know, so that's, I, I totally don't think that politics should come into it and, next you'd be sort of saying oh well you know if you're from china you shouldn't be playing this game which is ridiculous you know that that just shouldn't exist mm -hmm. no you're absolutely right and it shouldn't and it's it's a hell of a messed up scenario that we're in right now where it's we we have uh, I, I have my own issues with tencent 
but it's the I, I I don't agree with a lot a lot a lot of the policies, mm-hmm. or or the or the way that they, they they do video games. Uh, for for example, when Valorant uh, came out, if if anybody doesn't know what that is, that's uh, uh, Valorant is a, a first person shooter, but it's it's based around uh, Counter Strike Global Offensive and Overwatch. It's kind of like a a, a mix of the two in terms of animation style, but also the, the way that you, you shoot. And it's, bec- it's become one of the most popular games to stream, right? Okay? And yes. one of the things that I really disagreed with was when I, uh, I having friends that work in tech is a brilliant, brilliant little thing. And, cause, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, and it, it, I, this is just kind of a, a little thing to, to push towards... To, to let people, to, I want people to understand technology a bit more. Sure. And I'm going to try and explain in layman's terms what was explained to me what Tencent were doing with Valorant. Now, <clears throat> I'm also going to do my best to not in, not get in any legal trouble. <laughs> so if, if you need to cut this, don't worry about it. I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, what Tencent were actually doing with Valorant, um, so you're aware of third-party anti-cheat software, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a basic explanation for anybody who doesn't know, uh, a third-party anti-cheat software is uh, a piece of software developed for a game by a, a different company that, uh, that have developed the game that will detect if you've messed with any of the major files uh, on obviously this is all on PC. Uh, that any if you d- detect if you've messed with any of the original files, so that if you do go into the game and you've got like a mod that's an auto aim bot that gets headshots through walls, uh, then you basically get kicked and it's get out of here. We don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Now I've I personally don't have any problem with that. I think that's spot on, but I believe that should only that anti cheat software should only be activated when the game's activated. Now, Tencent had a problem with this in the terms of their anti-cheat software. That Their anti-cheat software isn't third-party. It's built in to the game. And the, the anti-cheat software does not launch at uh, the boot of the game, but it launches at boot of your computer. Yes. That's where I had a problem. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the fact that I'm, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist in saying that they're stealing my data or they're gonna they're trying to mine things. What I'm trying to say is that it's a very slippery slope. Yes, and that all it can take is a couple of employees from Tencent to go. You know what? We're we're in a lot of the West now, and all it takes is one major CEO to make a decision that is in with the political Chinese government to, to say, ah, oh, we'll just have all that data. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see how to best market to the West. Let's see how to, how to best take all their money. Let's see how to best, you know, do, do all these different things. That's what I'm trying to say is that it's a very slippery slope and I don't want to be involved in that. Um, and when I've tried to explain this point to people and people just go racist. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, Listen, and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to explain to people that humans are flawed. Yes. Very much so. Okay? All it takes is one bad day for somebody to go, ah, I'm just going to steal all the data in the United States of America that everybody's using for Valorant. Oh, how, how can I do that? Oh, because the anti-cheat software loads up at boot. 
and so I can, I've, I've got access to the anti-cheat software so I can get in through that way. Like, I I work with a software, like I live with a software engineer and he's told yeah. me about that and he's like, oh no, that's thoroughly possible. He was like, 100%. He was like, you can absolutely 100% do that. He was like, will they? That's a different matter. I was like, but all I'm doing is not giving them that option. That's, that's literally all I was doing and all I was trying to say to some people and nobody really got and understood my point but if you want well, to remove I, that, you're more I, think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's a i think it's a fair point i think for two reasons i mean first of all because esports in general mm-hmm. i didn't realize until recently that people were taking major bets in mm-hmm. things like Fortnite and world mm-hmm. um, and rocket league and they were you know putting serious money behind yeah. sort of the world championships through William Hill or Paddy Power or whatever bookmakers. Mm. And I didn't realize it was like such a major industry. I mean, people really will bet on anything. The but will, yeah. sports was, was becoming a major thing. They also, it's true to say as well that only this week I have read in the news that um, Capcom have spoken about how its computer systems were hacked. And um, that particular franchise has said that some of its internal networks had to be suspended due to unauthorized access from outside Capcom. Mm -hmm. And they they have stressed that at present, there was no sign that customer information had been accessed. Mm -hmm. But it is a stark reminder that the more we go online, the more we play online, the more we um, talk about this, mm-hmm. the, the more the possibility is that data can be stolen and that especially gaming cheats could be used as a gateway to hacking. And there's mm-hmm. a great article from um, ENT, Engineering and Technology Magazine. Their mm-hmm. website has a great article that was written back in February 2020. Um, and I'm just trying to, that was by Ben Yubi. And basically, it talks about sort of the the ethical roots of gaming, um, but it also morally talks about, well, would gaming cheats be a gateway to hacking? And, um, you know, is it ethical or even legal? And unfortunately, as the article itself will say, it is far from straightforward, in, in all honesty, um, the answer. So there there is a lot going on. I think it'll only be a matter of time to be honest, before there is a data breach. Now, there was a data breach warning last year um, for Android gamers. Yes. And there, was a, there was a company called Zynga, I believe is their name. And they do a lot of like Android gaming um, and iOS gaming. And they basically, they did like Mafia Wars and Farmville and whatnot. Cut the rope. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they basically reported that they'd been hacked and that Mm. potentially the data had been taken, Mm. uh, which included things like email addresses and login IDs and Mm. phone numbers and Facebook IDs. And that it could be fairly serious in that Mm. respect. Mm. Um, So, I mean, you know, going forward, I think looking at the possibility of, of what could happen you have to be really careful when dealing, you know, when going online at all, you have to exercise caution. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always hearing these stories about how like toddlers get a hold of phones and they end up spending like three and a half thousand pounds on Candy Crush or something. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. it I mean, is, yeah. Yeah, it's even if we're even if we're looking in if you if you want to go into that side of things, let's look at um, for for example uh, uh, booster packs in in the likes of uh, FIFA. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, let, let, if you, if you want to get onto that sort of stuff, because um, that's that's all the stuff that I'm interested in at the minute, especially because of the court proceedings uh, that are, that are, that currently went forward. For if anybody doesn't know. Um, if you play FIFA, you'll probably know you can buy booster packs so you can get better players for your dream team, uh, things like that. Uh, they, they, I believe, I'm going to double check before I say this, so give me a second. You might need to clip over this uh, while, I, while I do some typing. Um, hold on. Court proceedings. Because for... I, I, I do believe that there was, there has been at least one or two people, high profile wise, who have ended up trying to sue ea sports because yes. effectively they've they've paid major money and either they've said well i wasn't in my right mind and it shouldn't have been so accessible yeah. or they've gotten the booster packs but they haven't got the players that they've been promised and the odds have been against them and they mm -hmm. still don't have the dream team and they're mm -hmm. sort of like why the hell have i spent you know, thousands of pounds and I've not got the players that I should have gotten at this stage. But it's a virtual lottery. It's all based on algorithms. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, you know, there are there are disclaimers about this in the terms and conditions, which, to be fair, very few people uh, ever take the point of reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, this, this is it, isn't it? I mean, like with with um... The, the the problem that they've had with the the, the whole FIFA uh, and uh, indeed loot boxes in general uh, is that the problem they have is when the loot boxes directly affect the game. That's what they have a problem with because that is then betting, and that is legalized gambling. That's gambling. Yes, exactly what that is. So they, this this is where the UK courts have actually had a a bit of a over a real, real, actual go at these companies because yeah. let, let Fortnite is a huge one, you know. V Bucks, it's 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 four kids, but you've got in-game, you, you know, loot loot boxes and things that you can buy and skins and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. I think the problem being here is that it's not fully a kid doesn't know money. You know what I mean? Like, let let's be fair. Like I, I like I don't know about you, but when I was like eight, I was dumb, man. Like you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Every eight-year-old's dumb, you know, like in in the same sense. In in, but only in the sense of that they haven't had the same amount of experience as everybody else. So you've got to play to that. If you know that your main audience is going to be eight-year-olds, and you've put in-game purchases, you know all you're trying to do is literally take money from eight-year-olds. They're literally trying to take candy from a baby. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's... They, they, to, to explain that then to people, just in layman's terms, to explain that to people, people go, what? Like, is that actually what's happening? Like, yeah. Oh, no, 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 well, you don't well, understand. This is it. I mean, I mean there, there are articles, <laughs> just to back this up for people who want to research this a bit further, there's an mm -hmm. article from The Telegraph in 2018, mm -hmm. which um, says that analysts such as the charity Gamble Aware that look yep. at gambling problems in the UK, that mm -hmm. they are basically saying that the gambling-like behavior in these games like Fortnite 
is leading to the normalization of gambling mm -hmm. for young people. It is, and yeah. So they suspect that video gamers will be spending almost 34 billion pounds, as much as $50 billion in a year worldwide on loot box features by 2022, mm -hmm. that it will literally just get bigger and bigger and mm -hmm. that a significant amount of gaming, not only will it be digital, but it will mm -hmm. actually be major, major uh, money. And obviously you see some of these videos, there's like a, a YouTuber um, called W2S and he got Christian Ronaldo in, yeah. um, in a booster hack mm -hmm. and the video became majorly, you know, because he wasn't expecting of hits. Yeah, and he freaked out. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that last year, that's 2017, according to this article from The Telegraph, in 2017, EA, who makes FIFA, said that they were making more than 800 million, mm -hmm. 560 million a year from loot uh, from these booster pack trans uh, actions. Transactions, yeah. And I mean, that was 2017. You can imagine with lockdown how much money when they come into the end in figures mm -hmm. for 2020, how big it's going to be. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. What watch some of these these companies on that on that financial quarters, by the way, because all you like an interesting thing that I've been doing during lockdown is looking at these different companies that are that are just making bank um, that, that it, throughout this entire thing, and I, I I don't think it's a predatory uh, way of doing things in sense. I, I during the lockdown anyway, I think it's predatory for loot boxes and things like that. Especially when they they directly relate to it getting better at the game, but I I don't so much have a problem with the likes of uh, Counter Strike Global Offensive. Let's say for example, that's a, that's a game that I play quite not a lot, but I, I like it. I have fun with it. CS:GO, and uh, that that has in in game loot boxes as well, but it's it's nothing that affects you in the actual game. It's just skins. And there's a different rarity of different skins and different skins are worth so much money. Yeah. But yeah. because of that, CSGO now has a black, ma black market of sorts of people selling rare skins. And yeah. so now you can get a skin that's worth $10,000 in, in a CSGO box. So when then you explain that to people and everybody who plays CSGO pretty much knows that this is a thing. Yes. But it's it's kind of explained from the outset of don't bother getting loot boxes unless you want to try and make money or unless you know you're losing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a everybody explains it in the sense of like listen, if if you get if you're going for loot boxes, don't expect to get that money back. It's going to be wasted. Just yes. make, make sure you don't need that for the rent. All right. You know, That's like, it. yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of explaining to people how these things should be uh, worked around. But at the same time, it's how much do you have to baby people? I get that as well. How much do you have to try and look after people? And but if, if it's when it's kids, that's when I have a problem with it. I, I think when it's when it's kids, it's a, it's a major, major issue. And especially for things like FIFA, Fortnite, CSGO, and the likes of Call of Duty, kids shouldn't be playing anyway because I think they're all over 18. But yeah. 
uh, or, or at least 16 or 15 and over. Um, in those senses, again, yeah, if, if they're vulnerable, then it's a different matter. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is a question for you then, Wayne. Yes. Uh, throughout this entire thing, what what do you think gets done? Where 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 do where do we find the answer here to loot boxes? I mean, I think ultimately, you need there there needs to be some kind of liability outside of the hands of the developers because if the developers start saying, well, and again, as you mentioned, they're a business. So the developers are going to turn around and they're going to say, well, we don't want to stop making money. I think there needs to be a liability with parents in, in mm-hmm. that sense. And I strongly believe that mm-hmm. with this idea of, yeah, I know my son or daughter has um, a Fortnite game and I know that they're spending money on loot boxes. Let's make sure that they don't have access to my credit card. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make sure that they are not phoning, you know, that they are not sneaking in and grabbing the credit card and, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm aware of what they're spending money on. And mm-hmm. at the same time, let's normalize these things. Let's take yeah. an interest and read about these articles. Let's mm-hmm. take time to sit down and go, hang on. I know my kid's a gamer, even if I'm not into it. Let's mm-hmm. talk to them and find out, do you ever spend money on virtual goods? How mm-hmm. much do you spend? And, you know, where do you get that money from? Is that the money that I give you? If they're mm-hmm. a teenager, do they have their own job? Mm-hmm. Are they maybe racking up credit? Are they taking out credit cards, you know, if mm-hmm. they're a little bit older? Mm-hmm. I think so when it gets to the age where they're 18, 19, 20, the responsibility has to stop it yourself. So. Mm-hmm. You're quite right in the sense that you can't keep the word is sort of like mollycoddling people. You know, mm. you can't keep getting people to that stage of, well, you know, God, they didn't realize they were doing it. And it's like it's one thing to go out and spend maybe 30, 40 quid and mm. buy a couple of loot boxes and go, God, I wasted a bit of money and I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, if you do have a genuine health condition where you genuinely have that addictive personality, mm-hmm. you spend 50 pounds and go, think I'll spend a bit 50 more, think mm-hmm. I'll spend 60 more, the hell with it, I'll throw in 100. And mm-hmm. before you know it, you have ended up, you know, basically spending the rent money on loot crates and booster packs and you've got nothing for it. Mm-hmm. Um I think in that situation, really, you need to take personal responsibility to look mm. at trying to get help. You mm. can't then turn around and sort of blame a corporation whose entire purpose is to make money mm. for your own faults, mm. in a sense. Um, and, and a lot of people listening to this might think that's a bit harsh and sort of like, well, hang on a second, you know, um, I'm being taken advantage of by a corporation. And it's like, well, no, not necessarily. Um, there, there obviously needs to be further studies done in terms of how these things are presented. But there is a certain responsibility that you have to kind of go, look, it's, di- you know, you, as you say yourself, you're spending money on nothing. You know, you're mm-hmm. not actually receiving anything. It's all algorithms and codes and digital yeah. currency. Yeah. So I, I, the, the, I think uh, 
one of the things I will say, I think from this entire thing, I think if anybody takes something from this, it's I, I feel like people could potentially listen to this podcast and maybe get scared off a little bit because of some of the things I've been talking about. But I, I don't want, for example, a parent to listen to this and think, oh my God, my, my, my kid's spending loads of money on on on, on his mobile or, or whatever. Like I don't I don't want you to think that. I just want I, I think potentially want a, 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 an answer to this is to be able to just having a real conversation with your with your kids man like how ha, ha, just be real with them you know they're a lot smarter than you think they are I, yeah. yes i know i said that dumb earlier but you know um <laughs> they they are they are a lot smarter if you just explain this this button spends money and it doesn't it spends mom and dad's money and mom and dad need that we need that in order to look after you you know it's yes in, in i think if we just have open conversations as well about about this entire thing i think we can really move forward with it the uk government is trying i, I it, it does look like that they are actually trying to protect because also what you've got to think of is the government aren't getting their kick from this you know even in normal gambling in normal yeah. gambling they get their kick they get their oh, yeah, yeah yeah you know that they, they they get that so the the government aren't getting paid from loot boxes they're not getting their little bit off the off, off the top so more than likely what will end up happening is they will have to join the gambling act in the uk yes. and they're gonna they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to change they're gonna have to change these games well, for it's, the, the it's, UK it's releases. Quite, i i think you know coming back to what you were saying earlier i think politics and video games are are far more linked than people imagine i mean obviously you've got games like sort of fallout and metal gear solid and there's a lot of sort of like, you know, anti-nuclear messages and all that. And that's very obvious. Mm-hmm. But the other day I read an article about a U.S. representative for New York from mm-hmm. the American Congress who was live streaming on Twitch playing yep. the game Among Us yep. to an audience of hundreds of thousands. Yep. And partially they were doing that to encourage Americans to vote in the upcoming yes. election. Because, of course, one of the key mechanics of Among Us is voting. And so, by extension, democracy. And I thought, how insane is this that representatives from Congress, this is the way that they're able to link through to people. Mm -hmm. And they're using, effectively, you know, Twitch or gaming as a political platform, if nothing else, to at least say, look, I'm here, I represent this. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the young gamer who has no interest in politics suddenly knows who this person is because mm-hmm. they were the person who was streaming on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're obviously talking about AOC. Uh, I, I know that one. Uh, Alexandra yes. Ocasio-Cortez. Um, yes. Also known. She has her own Twitch channel and things, but those, those her Twitch channel hasn't... She She's only had that since election stuff. She's she's obviously doing it as an advertisement type yes. of deal to try and get that audience. That's if, if you know anything about politics, that's pretty, pretty from the outset, that's pretty, you know, there. Yes. Um, I, I, I do have a bit of a problem with, with politics invading uh, in yes. video games. Like, like I've said before, I, I really don't think it should be uh, a thing to, to be promoted or to be made advantage of, but 
another one that I have a major problem with that is still along those lines is uh, military. Yes. Um, uh, we, we, I don't think enough is said about the military industrial complex uh, to be able to say this, but um, I think that's this is where you're going to get a lot of really major problems, to be perfectly honest with you. The US Army, I don't know if you saw about this. Uh, I'm going to quickly pull it up before I start talking. Um, I want to make sure that I'm getting this right. Um, yeah, so if you you can look on various articles, if you Google this, um, the US Army has their own Twitch channel now. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's the uh... now. Yeah. In terms of how is that not recruitment? Oh no, I mean it's obviously recruitment. I mean the idea that like the US Army has an esports team. Yeah. So. You know, you can obviously play esports Call of Duty mm. as an American soldier. Yeah. And it's almost like using that medium. So, mm. I mean, people playing things like, you know, Overwatch, League of Legends, Fortnite, Global Offensive with mm. the U.S. Army. Yeah. Um, what I don't understand is why the U.S. Army have spent a lot of time playing Magic the Gathering. But, I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. I think... One way or another, though, there are, you know, it, it, it's incredible. Like, yeah, it, I fully believe the U.S. Army uses video games to recruit soldiers. Mm. I think they've been doing that more subtly for years. Yeah, they've only been very open about it the past year or so. Yeah, you can, you yeah. can see, because it's, I mean, if you look at the numbers of people applying for military, it's dwindling, man. People yeah. don't want to go in the army and the military anymore. They're like, why do we want to fight wars we don't agree with? You know, and it's, yeah. it's how much do you like, at what point do you have to step in and go, listen, this is just political advertising now. Like well, that's exactly it. Yeah, it it's 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 so like this is just because he has a thing with with Twitch and uh, YouTube streaming and all this sort of stuff. You can pay to be popular if you really want to. Like, yeah. and let's be fair, the U.S. Army has a hell of a budget. All right, <laughs> they've got more of a budget than me, for example. Right? Yeah. I have a couple of tech guys that are pretty cool. That's about all I've got. Right. I don't have an entire army behind me of people that know how to fire drones. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how are you meant to compete? You can't. Like, it's 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 kind of it's, it's it's scary impossible. when you know it. It is kind. It's very scary when you mm -hmm. think that people will be looking at a certain gamer and they'll be mm -hmm. watching the stuff, and the guy is clocking up scores and his reflexes are spot on, mm -hmm. and his handling of the game is is amazing. So then the U.S. Army general is reviewing the files and he's looking at his lieutenant and he's like, this guy we found this evening, send him a personal invitation. Will he come and game with us? Yes. Would he perhaps, you know, come and play a couple of games with us for a few days? Mm. And then they send him an email. Mm. And there's the very sort of real possibility that this guy is being headhunted yeah. purposely be the guy who then flies drones and launches missiles over Iraq or Afghanistan mm -hmm. because they want somebody with the reflexes to have that precision, to have a natural gift for video gaming. Because it's very true to say that the army is using more technology and more gaming uh, based apparatus. 
well, well I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an extra one on that actually. Yes. In, in terms of what the army's doing, two days ago, as of as of recording for this, uh, the Independent put out uh, an article: thousands of robot soldiers could be fighting a British army in near future. UK military chief says. Good lord. Robot sword. This is in the independent. This is real things that are actually happening because the military isn't getting enough young ma- young males joining it anymore. Yes. So that 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 that's saying it's going to be controlled by robots and it'll be and it'll probably be gamers behind that. It's um, that's terrifying to me. It is. That is I like and you if you if people want to, if people want to say I'm a conspiracy theorist or all this sort of stuff, I've studied media law. I've studied video games of uh, like i've done these things like part of my degree is social media management right i i and and part of my degree is pr i know what they're doing i can see this very very clearly because that's that's a move you make with an end result that's what that is that's Mm -hmm. that's that's a move that you wait 10 years for and you just see how it plays out yeah and it's like ah we'll just we'll, we'll 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 see how it goes but if it kicks off and it does well, whew, it's, a, it's a dangerous, weird world out there, my friend. We're living in 2020 and it's weird. Like, they're talking about robot soldiers by the time 2030 comes out, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very, it's very true. Um, and you wonder how much of that, because when you're looking at your new generation, when you're looking at those 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids you're playing that long game. So mm. you're not necessarily thinking, oh, there's some 19-year-old and they're really good at the trigger on Call of Duty. We'll mm. get them you know, signed up and chipped off in the morning. Mm-hmm. You're thinking the 8 to 10 to 11-year-olds yep. who are coming on to play games against the US Army mm-hmm. who are wanting to be soldiers because a young boy wants to be a soldier and mm-hmm. likes the idea of being in the army and he plays, you know, army with his friends yep. and they used to do it in the street, but now they do it online. Mm-hmm. But suddenly the real U S army are there and they've mm-hmm. got the hand on the shoulder and they're like, go hey, on. We, we've got your back 10, four. Yeah. yeah. Like, can, I mean, like it's, it's all about taking away chances though, as well. And it's, it's scary stuff to be honest with yeah. the army are doing at the moment. But um, let's talk a bit about the positive nature of Twitch. And let's do it. Let's do that, because I definitely want to do that before the end of this show. Um, mm. Implied lies. Yes. How did that come about? So talk us through sort of what was it that made you decide to set up a Twitch channel for gaming mm. and how did it develop? Um, yeah, no, well, uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you from the outset, it's, uh, it didn't start with just me. Okay. Um, it's, it, it, it originally came up as an idea between me and my roommate, um, who, uh, I, I shared a flat with and I still do, but I share it with more people than just him now. But, um, we were living in this tiny flat and, uh, we both came up with the idea of like, Hey, if we started like a YouTube channel type of thing. Like, what would it be called? And we were just going through different names and implied lies just came up. And I was like, I like that. And he was like, why? I was like, because the implication is that I'm never telling you the truth. 
You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. the lie is implied. Like it's you know I'm telling you bullshit. Like it's so it's from the outset, it it, it kind of sets you off as, as like a, oh I'm just gonna have fun here. Like that, that, that's why I like that name. But uh, it started out it was going to be both of us doing different things and then designing different content and just doing various like YouTube Twitch things. Yes. And it, it it just kind of evolved into a way of doing where he just didn't have the time. And he he, he did he had other things that he wanted to do and he wasn't he, he's already involved in radio and like quite heavily. So he's he he, he he doesn't really want to take on any extra extra bits of work, but he, he, he did say yes at first and he, we started doing a couple of extra things and it's just kind of naturally evolved into me doing it. Um, but in terms of uh, like streaming and Twitch, like I, I don't stream on Twitch anymore. Yes. Um, purely just because uh, I saw, I don't know if you've heard about this, uh, but Twitch has had a bit of an apocalypse when it comes to DMCAs. Yes. Uh, sorry for people who don't know it's the digital millennium copyright act Uh, basically it means people playing music that they don't have the rights for Um, because there was a thing on twitch for a long time that you could play music on the background of you like just playing video games because if you were just hanging out but the problem with that came in the videos on demand that 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 were made afterwards the videos on demand that were in twitch's libraries were getting uh, are all now getting copyright strikes um yeah and some people just playing full like panic at the disco albums you know like stuff like that like just people just not really thinking about it too much but uh now there is a major problem with twitch where people have had to delete years of content years that they've spent and you know it's weird man like i I saw this coming though uh about seven or eight months ago um, from a guy called Devin Nash. Okay. And so he's, he's a very interesting guy. If you, ever, if you ever want to learn about why Twitch and YouTube is the way it is, I would definitely suggest a guy called, a guy called Devin Nash, who um, he thoroughly explains why things are the way they are. He's part of a, like an ethical uh, YouTube content agency. Okay. So he's, one of the things that he noticed is that these content creators were getting their eyes ripped out like by some of these advertising agencies that, that some you've got to think man some of these some of these streamers are 18 and 19 years old and have never had to deal with major amounts of money before yes and yes. they don't understand what their actual worth is and it, this is where devin nash comes in and he explains listen i've worked for marketing and agency companies for a long period of time you guys are getting your eyes ripped out in terms of different deals that, 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 that they're giving you. Um, like, for example, the, uh, like some of these streamers, like a 19-year-old COD streamer, let's say he gets 1,500 views of every average stream. I think that's a fairly, that's, that's a pretty good, pretty yeah. good streamer, right? I'd, yeah. I'd say that you, you, you could probably be a full-time streamer, not comfortably, but very happily at 1,500 viewers every stream, very happily. Um, but in any case, he, he starts realizing that he's making money from Twitch, and he goes, oh, well, can I get with different agencies? I can, make, I can put advertisements on. I can make some extra money. Yeah, that's cool. But a lot of these agencies are signing them up 
to what's called a starter contract. Um, these starter contracts are... Oh, I've never seen such pirate marketing yeah. than in these starter contracts. Um, like, there's a certain term, and I can't remember what it is, but it's... Oh, uh, flexible contract rates. <laughs> if you see that... In any form of writing, think dog shit. Um, like, because that means that you're not getting paid none. Like, yes. nah. Like, and, and these 19-year-olds are just signing away and getting paid next to nothing for what their advertisements should be giving them. So Devin is trying to sort out all this sort of stuff. But anyway, yeah, I moved from Twitch to uh, streaming on YouTube and I do more content creation stuff on YouTube as well now. And I've moved towards more that sort of side of things, which I, I love doing. It's an, another thing with Twitch that uh, I, I don't stream often enough to be popular um, because I, I, it's, I'm, I'm going to start talking a little bit inside baseball here. But um, it's um, basically there's a, there's a thing with Twitch's algorithm where the way that you get popular is you have to stream consistently day, 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 day after day. And that's how you get put into recommended, like people's different different people's recommended and suggested. Yeah, and it's it's for me that doesn't mean the best streamers are getting viewed. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It just means it's the people that have put the most time in, and that's not necessarily the best people. So. I kind of I, I disagreed with with that a little bit, and with YouTube it is a lot more fair. They 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 already have a copyright system in place as well mm -hmm. um, that picks up your DMCA's like nothing. Like it'll tell you immediately. But one of the things I like about YouTube compared to Twitch is YouTube gives you an option. YouTube gives you an option if you get a copyright strike. You can you can try and. Uh, claim it in the sense of like listen this wasn't my fault i didn't play the the, the music it was on like let's say a video game yes. um, but if you fail that then they do say if you want to mute that segment of of that video you can do that we can do yeah. that that's fine they'll replace that in the actual video that's built into the software coding which is very interesting they'll replace it you can replace the actual song that's being played, and that's 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 pretty good too. Or they'll just go, "Do you want to trim out the entire thing from the video, and then the video will still get uploaded, but without that part in it?" So it's YouTube offers you a lot more options in terms of what you can actually do when you get a copyright strike compared to Twitch, who's still building that platform. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting in that sense. I don't know if you're interested in any of this stuff. I I think so definitely. Like I mean, I know that there was there was a Twitch gamer who passed away. There was a, a streamer who died. Wreckful, yeah. yeah, yeah, horrible, and, yeah. And I was astonished that he was like, he was something like twenty or something or nineteen, and he had two children and a wife. You know, and I, I thought that in itself to me was like kind of shocking. Yeah. But I thought on top of that, you know, here was a guy who possibly never, um, you know, probably never in, in any way held any other job other than, than Twitch streaming, you know, because mm -hmm. of his age. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, rather than, I mean, that's, you know, that's not to obviously in, in any way badmouth them. That's just to say, though, that it's crazy that there are sort of communities of people who are growing up and effectively they are known as Twitch streamers and professional esports players. Yeah. And no, that, that to me is just like shocking. It's, you know, it really is. Like it's, uh, it's, it's why I have a problem with, uh, the word streamer because it, it kind of automatically uh, gives you an assumption of a person. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it, it's it's it, like if, if I say to somebody, "Oh, I'm a streamer," they just turn around and go, "Oh, so you sit on your ass and play video games and do nothing all day?" Like it's not about that. Like it's yeah. Like there's a lot more that goes into it than that people don't see. Like for example. Me setting up all the software for streaming and all the Streamlabs stuff. I've got to set up all the different alerts. Uh, yes. I, I had to make all those myself. I, I had to buy a, I bought a green screen. I bought a good chair to make sure that I can sit here for hours at a time and stream or make content or edit or do whatever. And yes. then they don't, they, they don't even think about the, the, the hardest part isn't even streaming. It's post-production. Post-production is yes. a lot harder than anything else because you've got to figure out as a, a, a part of your stream. Let's say, for example, I do a two and a half hour stream, right? Yes. Let, uh, just example, personally. Um, if I do a two and a half hour stream, I'll be lucky if I get one social media clip out of that. Yeah. But I've got to find that clip and that clip might only be 20 seconds long. Oh well, this so, is it. This is it. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I st you, there's still work to be done, oh, even, even when even when the camera goes off. Like people think I'm like, oh, what? Do you think I just take the camera off and then go to bed? No, <laughs> like you know, it, it's there's a lot more to it that people just don't see and don't uh, thoroughly uh, thoroughly understand. And I mean, and then there's other stuff like this, like podcasts, or yeah. you know, a lot of pe a lot of people that are streamers and YouTubers, they have loads of other different things that they go down as well so yeah I'd, 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 I'm, I'm trying to take a bit of I mean I take it with a bit of a pinch of salt when people call me a streamer because I don't think I'm a streamer yeah I, I see myself as more like a content creator type of person where it's like I just make dumb funny stuff man like that's it that's all I do I do dumb funny stuff and I edit it together and put some jump cuts in that's about it like it's it's <clears throat> I wouldn't say I'm a streamer because it's, yeah, I don't know. I've just rambled on that one. Sorry. This no, I, I mean, I think, it's, <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a fair point because I, I worked with uh, with a guy who did, a, an, unfortunately, the podcast, it still exists, but he doesn't do it anymore. It was called mm. Geek Apocalypse a couple of years ago. And, um, and I basically worked with, uh, with Stephen Hesselwood, who was behind that. And he did an incredible amount of work you know, when setting up that podcast and setting up the streaming and sort of organizing the studio. And then at the same time as well, and again, it's, you know, it's it's important to say this, that at the same time as well, um, I I know people such as Botchmania, who does the work for, um, you know, for wrestling yeah. uh, podcasts and has been doing work for years on, on stuff like that. And the amount of stuff that he will have to go through for every episode mm -hmm. to find those specific little clips that mm -hmm. make up, you know, that that merchandise. But it's it's funny to think as well that he could almost, you know, at this point, 
he could possibly be sick of wrestling. Who knows, you know, could be <laughs> sick of the medium that he's involved in yeah. and now kind of wants to just go out and do something else. Mm-hmm. But when you find that niche, that market that works for you, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to give that up, you know. So yes. in terms of streaming, there's a lot of these guys who are probably ridiculously successful and mm-hmm. they may not want to do it, you know, because it becomes like a job. They have a mm-hmm. bad day and they kind of go, oh, the last thing I want to do is play video games. But they yeah. kind of need to force themselves to, to push themselves to that point. Mm-hmm. No, and, and it's you can very much pigeonhole yourself you know you can yeah. you can you can set yourself into because I've, I've got friends of mine now who are there's, there's another friend of mine i mentioned him earlier called once upon a jedi who um he pretty much only streams apex now apex legends and he's his audience is just that's that's what they used to and so i said do you not want to play something else man i went why don't you jump on stream with me we'll go do some dumb shit like we'll go play golf with friends or something and we'll yeah. scream at each other while we hit golf balls. Like, you know, like that's that's the type of thing I'm into. I'm into like things that make me laugh. That's 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 the things that I like, um, personally. But and he, he feels like he said, I feel like I'm gonna lose all my audience if I switch games, man. And I went, Well, I went, I understand where you're coming from in that sense. I went, but I think people come at this from a, a business point far too often. Yes. And they missed the point of why streaming was started in the first place. No, it's just to have fun, you know? And the, I think a lot of people get a bit too serious about it and don't take it for what it is, man. They take, it's a form of entertainment, you know? And if you're not being entertained by doing it or by, if it's not serving you the way that you think it should be, then have a break, move on, maybe do a different thing for a little while, come back, see how you feel. If you're like, you know, a, a burnout gets a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like burnout yes. in, in the streaming industry, it's one of the big ones for why people leave. Like because there, there is a, there's a mindset actually that I want to try and get rid of in the streaming industry, and that's that the mindset of like if I don't stream every day, I'm a failure. Yes. Like the, there's, a, there's a lot of this in, in, the, in the streaming communities where it's like, no, you've got to push hard. You've got to go further. You've got to do more than everybody. And it's like, not everybody's cut out for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Not everybody's cut out to do eight hours every day, eight hours every day, eight hours every day. You know what I mean? Not everybody's meant to do that. And you've got to be a certain type of person to be able to do that in the first place. And I, some people, man, they cause, they get a lot of they cause a lot of damage to themselves just doing this stuff every day, and it's it's not good, man. I mean, the the, the then these the, there is now more, there is now a lot more talk between streamers about like mental health and how oh, yeah. how, how things really do affect the the entire community as a whole. Um, for example, like in terms of mental health, I, I, I don't know if you've, you've, you would have heard of this, but you, you know the streamer Pokemon? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Something interesting that, uh, that I thought was a brilliant actual move by her is uh, she's been accused of being the simp queen, all this sort of stuff. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, a simp is basically a, a slang term for anybody who like... Uh, uh, subscribes to a, a Twitch streamer who happens to be like a female 
uh, who who they're just like, oh, I want them to be my girlfriend, but I can't actually see them. I'll give them money. Yes. Uh, and that's it's kind of it's, it's it's a thing. She gets called the simp queen because a lot of people subscribe to her that are that ilk. Okay. Um, she's been getting a lot of flack for that recently. And so she's just turned around and went, because a lot of these people are donating like 150 and $200 and $300 and sometimes up to like $1,000 yes. to be like, I want your attention, pay attention to me. I want to talk to you. I want to do this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and she, she's gotten so much flack from not messaging people back because she has that many messages that she's put a, a maximum donation of $5 on our entire Twitch now. Yeah, yeah. And I, and think, I, I think, yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I do. Like, I, I think that has to be the way because I think to a certain extent, there is that sort of thought in people's heads that, well, if I pay 1000 or I pay 1500 I effectively own or buy that person's time. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is equivalent, you know, effectively, that's equivalent to prostitution. You yeah, know, that, you're, that you're simply, you know, regardless of whether you're physically there with them or you're engaging in any act, the fact is that you're still, yeah, you're you're still buying, you're paying money to buy their time. It's it's kind of scary in that respect that you mm. you know there's almost that fear of, well, I'll give you fifteen hundred dollars out of the goodness of my heart. Well, mm. I'm not doing that. I'm giving you fifteen hundred dollars because I want to make sure you're messaging me more than you're messaging my friend who's paid you five hundred dollars yeah that's only two people everybody's throwing money at you it's crazy i mean yeah this is what i'm saying like so in terms of streaming and uh, content creation all this sort of stuff it's it's a very it's a weird time right now yeah. To, to, to call myself a streamer because of how many weird and interesting things that 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 happen within that space and what it means as a whole, um, just just in, in general for content creators. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting and weird place where something is always happening. There is always a new thing happening on Twitch. Like every day there will be a big headline, something, this person did this, you know? Um, so I, I think it's always going to be like that, but... That's why I, I tried to like remove myself because I'm I'm just not about it, man. I, like, no, I, of course I, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I, I I think though I think it's a good attitude to have because I think as you say, mental health, the fact that it will drain you. That kind of do I have to do a stream every day? Do I have to do one every two days? Do I have an obligation to the people who are giving me money? Do they effectively control my time? Am I working for them or am I working for myself? So I think the positive is that when you're doing things at your pace, at your speed, it's not because you're fooling yourself into saying this is my job and this is what I do for a living. It's that you're realistic to say this is my passion and I'm doing it for me. And if you guys get a kick out of it, great. Mm-hmm. It's about something that just makes me feel a bit better when I'm not, you know, working or when I'm having a bit of downtime. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. But let me know, because we we are coming to that sort of end point of the show. Let me know uh, how can people get in touch with you? How can they sort of see what you're up to? Where can they find you online? So you can catch me on Implied Lies on all forms of social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and 
So I, I do actually also still have a Twitch channel, which I, I don't use. There is no videos on there. But if anybody decides that they can't give me any money or they, they're just like, listen, I want, I want to help you out, but I don't know how to. Um, I always tell people, if you want to subscribe to my YouTube, that's cool. I've, I've, I, lo I love it when people subscribe. I'll, I'll go to the nth degree for you people. You're amazing. Um, but the other thing I tell people is if you want to try and help me out a little bit of a different way, then go to my Twitch and subscribe with your Amazon Prime account, which if you already pay for Amazon Prime, you get a free Twitch sub. So and that, that comes as just as standard. If you have an Amazon Prime account and you want to help me, go sub to go uh, give me a Prime sub to Twitch and that, that, that helps me out as well. So if, if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to. But by all means, catch me on social media, being dumb, my green screen falling over, probably throwing cans while I'm doing streams <laughs> and being generally a bit, a bit too aggressive for most people. <laughs> Fair play, fair play. Um, I like it. Bill, I want to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Um, I don't know how it is that we've recorded so much content, but it's obviously because regardless, and I'm going to try and include as much of this in the final show as possible, I may mm -hmm. not take any of it out because it's amazing material. And obviously we got to talk about a lot of great topics and the time mm -hmm. has flown. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining today. It's and and no thank problem. you so much for chatting away. No problem. Um, for you guys out there, uh, lots more episodes of Plug In and Play to come. Uh, lots more material. We hope that you'll join us again. If you haven't heard some of the earlier episodes, as I've said, tune in, listen back. There's a lot of great content there and uh, lots of stuff more to come. Won't spoil the surprise just yet. Uh, have a couple of very special shows coming up. I mean, every show is special and every show is unique, but I just want to leave that bit of tease with you and um, I, will, I will see you very soon. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye.